Kentucky with no filter. I love talking to you about this kind of stuff because you you get it. No filter is no filter. I always enjoyed being around you, Alan, the way you covered sports with a passion. You spoke your mind and uh, you treated everyone fairly. And I think that's why all the players don't mind coming back and doing this stuff. And they love having conversations with you and catching up again because you, you treated everyone the right way. The Cruz a decent lead. He goes on the first pitch. It misses away. Throw down. Steal. And Ellie De La Cruz. 20 steals, 10 homers. Top five showing by any rookie in Reds history. Drills this ball to deep right center. Trout going back, and that's going to go. The first at bat of his homecoming, Matt McClain goes deep, and the Reds claim the lead one zip. How about that? Not just a home run. Not because I think I'm safe to say this now, and I've waited and waited, and I've tried to be patient. He's a great rookie. He's not a good rookie. He's a great rookie. Jimmy, you agree? Yes, 100%. He's built like a brick you-know-what. <laughs> he is. He is a spark plug. See, he reminds me of Altuve. Same kind of body. Yeah. About 5'8". Yeah. Okay? Popeye arms for somebody 5'8". Plays as hard as Altuve. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good because if Altuve keeps on playing like this for another five, six years, I'm not kidding you. He could end up in the Hall of Fame. Take a look at his numbers. Seriously. It's shocking. Also, take a look at how few second basemen are in the Hall of Fame, which is a argument for another day. I'm not going to get into it. Alan Cutler, good afternoon. Uh, Jimmy in control. Dennis Johnson, about 1230, talking about his dad, his school, his son. Uh, that will be fun and emotional. I mean, the Johnson family is one of the great families in Kentucky. Not just a great sports family, but a great family. Jared Peck at 115, talking about high school sports. Looking forward to it. I probably shouldn't say this. Went to the doctor today. Remember Ivan K. Rice? What a great guest he was, right? Yeah. Covering high school sports for how many years? 39. 40. 40. This is his 40th year because they right, already started. Right, right, right. right. And uh, he opened up about his battle with prostate cancer. He was very emotional, and he lost his dad, who he was very close to, for the same thing, and his brother is now battling cancer, too. And so he pushed, get a, get a checkup, get a checkup, get a checkup, please get a checkup. I was scheduled for the checkup today. So I go in, a really nice lady, okay? Everybody makes mistakes, right? As long as they don't cut off your wrong arm and <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So she says, uh, Mr. Cutler, um, do we need to take your catheter out? <laughs> I went, What? <laughs> Yeah, the look in your eyes was like mine. It's news uh, to me. Yeah, excuse me? She goes, are you sure? Which, actually, when you think about it, I didn't get mad, but when you think about it, are you sure? Do you think you'd be sure if she had a catheter in or not? <laughs> I don't think anybody would have to ask me. No. Hmm. I said, you're scaring the blank blank out of me. I didn't say any four-letter words, but I don't want to use that word. It's not important. She just laughed. She says, let me go back and check. About a minute later, she comes back in. Alan, I'm really sorry. I looked at the wrong chart. <laughs> she apologized the second time. I said, it's okay. I said, I knew there was no catheter. Hmm. But uh, get checked. Literally, get checked. I do twice a year. I have to do it twice a year. Um, male or female. <laughs> get blood work every year. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, years ago, uh, my doctor, who I still use, told me something that there's basically five ways you're going to die. 
four of the five, if we catch it early, we can probably save you if it's bad. The fifth one, you're blank out of luck if we don't catch it early. I'm not going to get specific, but the point is preventative is huge. So, yeah, catheter, no catheter. Glad Glad to know. I mean, I know I'm 70 and... Some things don't work as well as they did when they're 18, 20, 25, and 30, but it still works, and I'm good, and I'm all here, and it's <laughs> fine, okay? <laughs> I get that I'm 70, but whoo! For a second, I, Jimmy, I'm not kidding you. My hair stood up for a split second. Yeah. So, it's all good. Stuff happens. Stuff really happens. All right, to the Reds. And, and I want to get to something that, look, the Reds have been great, right, Jimmy? Yes. Do they make mistakes and judgments like we all do? Of course. Yeah, they made a bad mistake on Senzel. And, you know, had this been last year, I'd be yelling and screaming. I'm not going to do it. So here, here's the thing. Former first-round draft choice. He's not playing. They sent him down to the minor leagues. He and his agent had a conversation. They said it was friendly about him being upset that he's not playing. One, he wants to play like everybody else. And two, it's the first year of arbitration. It's going to cost him a fortune. They sent him to the minor leagues. But now they've called up all these guys. Michael Ciani. Had you ever heard of him? No. Okay, I can tell you this. He might be the best defensive center fielder in the entire chain. His problem is he can't hit. Actually, let me think about it. Oh, shoot. Can I say shoot? I guess I just did. Uh, I weigh more than his batting average. Is that a hint? Yeah. Okay. Um, And they have a decision on him, so I get this. They have to decide to either put him on the 40-man and protect him after this year or not. I could actually see them calling him up. Okay, do I think they're going to protect him? Probably not because they got too many players. That's fine. And then they also picked up a guy named Nick Martini. Jimmy, you got a good as, as much shot as making the team next year as Nick Martini. He's he's a AAA player. Okay, so calling him up over, over Senzel, that was the thing that told me he ain't never playing in a Reds uniform again, right? Yeah. And, and they designated Henry Ramos, and I got that, but they had called him up instead of Senzel the last time, which makes no sense. And now they got two pitchers that are going to hopefully be coming off the disabled list shortly. And so they need roster spots in a 40-man roster. So he's out. So here's the deal. They try to trade him. I don't know what they were offered. I guarantee you, Jimmy, whatever they could have gotten but they thought wasn't good enough, they over-evaluated, overestimated what they could get for him because now they can't get much, if anything, at Mm -hmm. all. They might have, if they designate him for assignment, they'll put him on waivers, and they'll get a body. They'll get a body. So, you know, Senzel is done. I, I mean, I knew he was done when they sent him down. That was pretty obvious. You know what he's batting as of June 1st for the time he's been with the Reds? What's that? 143. Oof. Plus, his batting average against right-handers overall isn't that good. Lefties, it's been very good. And, and he can play anywhere. And I'm a little surprised when I saw Nick Martini, they called him up. I'm going, Why? That's almost insulting. It really is. And so I hope Senzel is not dealing with depression today. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. That That's saying, okay, we don't even want you in the clubhouse. That's a message, like you said. That's, oh, yeah. yeah that's... But, but you know what I have trouble with? And we don't know the ongoings. And after they had the meeting, they all said the right things and that kind of stuff. I can't imagine Senzel being a problem for two reasons. One, it's not his reputation. But sometimes reputations and what people do, as you know, Jimmy, are two different things. And two... He needs a job after this year. So if he gets a reputation be a pain in the you-know-what in the clubhouse, a lot of teams that might pick him up are going to say, no. Yeah. So I, I, I really don't buy it. Could I be wrong? It's what I call an educated guess, which I do a lot of. That's a lot of what we do. 
And I'm just telling you, it's an education. It makes no sense. Do I think he'll get a job next year? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Kansas City. You don't think they could use him? <laughs> look at the A's. You don't think they could use him? Look at the Pirates. You don't think they could use him? Now, okay, I'm giving you bad teams, but that's not the point. The point is, is there a job for him where if he can stay healthy, maybe he can show he's a good major league player? He's the kind of guy like, you know, the Reds got ripped when they picked up Myers in the offseason for $7.5 million. And, and, you know. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, I like the signing. Yeah. Okay, and I was wrong. Okay, I like the signing because, by the way, did anybody ever pick him up? That's what I was just thinking. I was like, oh, I remember when that. Yeah. I, when he played for being a Giants fan, whenever he was on the Padres, he could always hit. He was a good player. Yeah. A good player, and they thought he was going to be this huge star. It didn't turn out that way. Coming off a bad year, they gave him seven and a half. Obviously, if he was doing really well, they could have traded him for maybe a live body in July, but the problem was he was so bad they just let him go and ate the rest of the salary. That's how bad he was because some of the younger guys coming up. That was powerful. But here's the deal. When they signed him, honestly, I thought it was a terrific signing because it's $7.5 million, which you can say, Cutler, it's not your money, but it's not like they offered him a three-year, $21 million contract, right? Yeah. One year. Mm -hmm. And with the odds were, if he played well, it was going to cost him $3.5 million or something like that. And they would get, let's say, a live body in Class A, not a top-tier prospect. You know, there are a lot of third-tier prospects who throw 93, 94 miles an hour that are still filling out. You know, when the Reds picked up uh, that lefty, Mott, yeah. they gave up a guy named Doyle, who is now second in the minor leagues in strikeouts. Got a great arm. Hasn't put it all together. You know, so there are some of these guys, and sometimes they turn it around and have to go into another organization, and sometimes they never turn it around. But that was a smart play for Oakland. And it was actually, even if Doyle ends up being really good for Oakland, it's a smart trade for the Reds because he was never going to get a chance. He was so far down the list. When you have a guy that's so far down the list, whether it's a mistake on your part or not, and sometimes this happens, they got a lot of good pitching prospects. We'll see how many pan out. Not the point. The point is that's a smart trade for the Reds and it was a smart trade for Oakland. Little trade. Mott's not changing the world in Cincinnati. He's done a nice job. Yeah. He did a nice job. And, and they needed another lefty. They only had one. So I got that. And whether it works out or not, you can say, okay, I see the logic on both sides of the fence. But this Senzel thing, I actually feel bad for him. I really do. Isn't that terrible? I feel bad for him. But he will surface somewhere next year, and the odds are he'll either be a super utility guy or he'll get to be a starter on a bad team and then have a chance, if he can stay healthy, to get 550 at-bats, and then he'll be in a second year of arbitration, and he can make some money. Uh, look, I'm saying this because I think Matthew's still in the car and still listening. Does he know how bad the Reds really are? I know he knows. That's silly. Matthew knows. The he Yankees? lives and dies with the Yankees. I say Reds? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. I humbly apologize to the Reds. I meant the Yankees. Okay, in the last nine games, you know what they're batting? Hmm. Take a guess. Lower? 110. Oh, come on. Come on. That's too high, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be around 200, less than 200. Less than 200, yeah. 176. Eey. 81 innings. Think about this. That's nine games, right? Yeah. 21 runs. That's not even three runs a game. No. Runners in scoring position. You know the 110 you said? Yeah. You weren't that far off. <laughs> 125. Oh, man. I mean, the futility is absolutely unbelievable. So the Reds won last night, and, and it's good. And they, you know what I like? They were down and came back. Plus, 
you know, McLean being a guy in what? Played at UCLA yep. with a big home run, right? Steer, big RBI. He's a left coast guy. Yep. How often do you see, we've seen it a million times. I wonder what the stats are. There's no way you can kind of figure this out. Guys go home and they usually stink. I've heard Cal talk about it. I've heard Patino talk about it. I've heard coaches talk about it forever in basketball. Okay, the pressure. You're going home. What's going to happen? Yeah. Who, who was the kid who went to Providence? Hopkins. Yeah. Okay, it was predictable he was going to have a bad game. It, it was, and he did. Do I like him any less as a player? No. As a matter of fact, I actually agreed with Cal when he said it wasn't fair for Kentucky to play Providence. It really wasn't. Now, they can't make a decision based on one kid, and I get that, and it was a nice comment by Cal at the time, but the truth is it really wasn't fair to the kid. Can you imagine you think that kid slept the night before? No. Now, he might not have slept the night before anyway because Providence is not like they've been tearing it up in the NCAA tournament, but he went from maybe being hyper to ridiculously hyper. Yeah. He needed yoga. He needed meditation. He needed all kinds of – I felt bad for the kid. So – McLean hitting a home run. I thought that was huge. Steer getting, you know, he, he's got a shot. He's going to be between 85 and 90 RBIs. Quietly, he's one of the best rookies in baseball. I mean, it's, it's just really good. It's just really good. I, I mean, it's wonderful. Okay, this story is a couple days old. And, and it's not that I left it alone, but I have a take on it. Mix them. Okay, so you have the... Audio with Andy Furman. Yes. Remember what day Andy was on? I think it was Thursday last week. That sounds right. It was the day, literally, when Mixum was what? Mixum was declared innocent. Yes. And Andy, who's one of the great sports talk show hosts of all time, um, it's probably less shy than I am. Is that possible? Sure it is. It's always possible. I he, think that is a correct statement. <laughs> Just in the time, one time he was on the show. That <laughs> And what he did for this show, truthfully, because I've heard Andy a lot, is not that unusual. By the way, you can hear him on Sunday morning, right here on 1300 AM, 92.5 FM. Uh, he's got a national show. He's on from 6 to 9 AM. So this is what he said about Mixum. He just went... Off. Did you hear the latest news that Joe Mixon is now not guilty on charges of aggravated menacing dating back to that alleged incident back in January? The judge, okay, Gwen Bender, and uh, I will tell you this much, the alleged victim, Ashley Meek, I don't know who she is. You had no chance in hell. Ashley, you had no freaking chance. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to every Bengals home game, look in every private box to see if Judge Gwen Bender is there. Not that I dislike Joe Mixon. And I think the Bengals are being hard shape without him. But, you know, this this girl, Ashley Meek, had no chance at all to win this case, and you know it. So you're saying that there might have been some biasness because someone was a very popular member of the Cincinnati Bengals? Bingo! Bingo! So, now, because of this, there's a couple ramifications. I don't care what anybody says. Pros, not whatever. Could this be a slight problem in the locker room? Yeah, not between the, the guys on the team. I don't see that at all. You're the media. Uh, you want to talk to Mixon, he might not talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to Sports Illustrated, Cincinnati Inquirer, Pro Football Network, and ESPN. If you work for any of them, even if you weren't the reporter reporter, he ain't talking to you. By the way, that's his right. He's got a right not to talk to anybody. But I tell you, I've done this for a long time. You know what it gives you? I don't give a rat's what anybody says. 
99% of the public who deals with something like this, whether you're an athlete or not, if you're an athlete, it's more common. You got internal constipation. Your gander is up. It's on your mind when reporters come in and guess what Mixon's going to do? He's going to go hide in the trading room. Okay. Plus, here else is what's going to happen. I guarantee you there'll be some other players asked about Mixon. They're going to say all the right things. That's fine. But some of the guys are going to get ticked off that a reporter's asking them about stuff. It happens. Every, it's their job to get a reaction. It's a pain in the you-know-what. A pain. And he has had a number of accusations, and he had a horrific problem with a female before he was drafted. Horrific. Past horrific. And the Bengals took him anyway. Yet he's done a lot of fan-friendly things, but he obviously has a temper problem. Would you agree? Yeah, it seems like just he's the situations that he finds himself in are not ideal. And then there's the uh, the incident with the neighbor being shot while they were playing Nerf in the front yard. Mixon didn't have anything to do with that situation. He's never even been questioned as a suspect, but right. it's the Mixon name. It's the people he's around. It's his, his sister's boyfriend that's around him, and it's the other kind of people. And when you have the reputation that you have as Joe Mixon and you're – one of the faces of an NFL team. Which he is. You you can't surround yourself with those people. You can't allow those people to stay at your house because situations like that could happen. And now you're back in the news. When you didn't have anything, you didn't shoot the gun. It's not your gun, but it happened at your residence. Your environment. Yeah. Your environment, which you're in control of. So uh, I'm reading this directly, and I think it was off ESPN. Uh, it says, Hamilton County Municipal Court Judge... Gwen Bender, who Anthony mentioned, ruled Mixum not guilty, saying, this is the important part, city prosecutors failed to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, do you read this? I'm not making a comment about Mixon. I'm going to make a comment about how I interpret this, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Again, don't sue my fanny because I'm not saying it's Mixon. When I see this quote, you know what I think? I think the judge thinks he's guilty, but they couldn't prove it properly. Yeah, that's and that's this is one of that was one of those cases where it it's a he said versus she said. Literally, there's no video of anything. There's no documents of anything. It's just I think he did this. He said no, I didn't. Okay, well, how you you physically can't prove that beyond reasonable. Doubt. And I'm not going to say what he's right or she's wrong. Yeah, I ain't going there. Not going to do it. But again, city prosecutors failed to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, whoever wrote the story did a bad job. You want to know why? It's the last line of the story. Mm. Now, that's kind of burying the lead. Yeah, I'd say. That should be in the opening paragraph. <laughs> that's bad writing. And by the way, the, the ability of ESPN to write has really changed. They've gotten rid of so many really good writers because they don't want to pay any money. And there's nothing wrong with young writers, but some of them need experience. And some of the people who are young are not nearly as good as some of the veteran reporters that they have just dumped for years who are not a little good, they're really, really, really good. So, <laughs> it's a problem. Is this going to stop the Bengals from winning the Super Bowl? No. No. Plus, Mixum is great with fans when you show up to sign autographs. He's great. He's fra. He smiles. He's friendly. He took a salary cut, which I thought was smart. You know what I read between the lines from that? Uh, Joe, uh, Joe, here's the deal. If you don't take a salary cut, we're going to cut you. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to cut you. Because I don't think the Bengals wanted to cut him. No. But they deemed the running back isn't worth that much money. That's one of the reasons that we talked about it yesterday. I think Taylor 
with the Colts. Look, you only need one team. We all know that. Yeah. I think he's going to have a lot of trouble getting a job. Especially, well, because of the money he wants. Partly. Every team every team wants him. Right. But he's taught there's numbers I've I've seen. I don't know what's confirmed, but he's wanting like fifteen million a year. I would do it for one year if I had the salary cap room. Yeah. One year. Well that what's crazy is the Colts have the salary cap room too. Well, but he wants it. Yes, they do. Right. But yeah. he wants a long contract. Yeah. yeah. And and what is what was the um is it ten million on the matching deal? The franchise? Yeah, is I think 10. it's for running back. Yeah. And okay. he's making four this year. Which and is he underpaid? Sure, but that's part of your first contract. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, that's business. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl making seven hundred and fifty thousand a year. And one of the reasons why they won is because they didn't have to pay a quarterback fifty million dollars. Yeah. That's all part of it. It's a juggling act. Where everybody knows that when you have to do football. Now, would I pay him twelve million for one year? Abs- if I needed a running back, mm-hmm. absolutely. But here's the problem. One, he wants a multi year contract. Two, they're going to want multiple first-round draft choices, or I like how it was described now as the world has changed. So you're Team X. Yeah. And you don't want to give up a first-round draft choice. <laughs> yeah. But you want to do a deal. So they have a way now, it's a mathematical thing, where they equate, well, if I give you a two and a six and a seven three years from now and a five, four years, whatever, to, to get draft choices, that would equate to a number one-round draft choice. Yeah, the first-round equivalent. Yes. It's like, what? Yes. It's but- kind of a new turn even though they've been doing it but it's now become more common yeah okay i don't want to give up a first round draft choice for this guy for one year unless i think i can win the super bowl and i don't think i want to do that and you looked up the numbers really quickly the amount of carries this young man has had from college yeah to being in the colts is past ridiculous it's some of the greatest numbers i'll bet over five years actually six years yeah. right Six Going back years. to 2017. Yeah. yeah, in the history of football. In the history of football. And going back to, I think if he was 100% healthy, there would be more teams interested. But he hasn't been healthy. In the videos of him at training camp, he's walking around very gingerly. Yeah. He doesn't look like someone who could go and play tomorrow. You want to pay him $15 million and you're not sure he's healthy? Yeah. I think he's untradeable. And I think that's part of what Jim Irsay and the culture trying to get to him is, like, hey, Jonathan, last year, two years ago, if you were to come to us like this, yeah, you probably would get paid somewhere. But last year, you were hurt, and you did not look the same. And we have a new offense, a rookie quarterback. So why don't you see how you do in this year's offense? Because if he goes back to his MVP level, Jonathan Taylor, he could get way more than what he's wanting this year anyways. Because if he goes back to that, and he shows that he can get you 18 touchdowns and 1,600 yards, yeah, pay him $15 million. For how many years? He'd probably get a two-year. But max, yeah, max, or like the Derrick Henry type of deal where it's four, but it's really two, sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you also got to massage the salary cap, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're not going to get into that now. The point is, I, I I'm sorry, <laughs> these guys. Which running back was it when Saquon Barkley wasn't getting an offer? Well, let's get all the running backs together. Let's try to do something. I thought that was stupid. I really, you really what it's gonna? Yeah, a general manager is going to listen to five great running backs that we should get paid more. Now, what the general managers did, which was smart, they all kept their mouth shut. Yes. You don't want to badmouth the guy. You don't want to be like Jim Irsay who, who, who <laughs> read ripped. the room. <laughs> oh man, he ripped Taylor. I mean, I, d- if you have that much money, can you not spell PR? Yeah. Can Can you say, look, this is a great running back, and he's been great for the franchise, and I know he wants a long term contract. We're just not willing to pay him what he wants. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's not a great running back. 
Why would you say anything but that? And it seems like Jim Irsay has been fair. He paid Andrew Luck after he retired. Which he didn't have to. No, and that's the thing is he's shown over the time over time that if he deems you are worth it and it's the right situation, he will make sure you are taken care of. And he's also shown he can be a jerk. Yeah, man, like tone deaf, not really reading the situation. Because he thinks he's above the law. I own the team. Now, here's the other thing. He's the oldest uh, owner in the league now. Longest tenured, I guess you would say. How bad do you think the guys in the locker room are ticked at the owner? It makes, and I, I've always wondered that. How many guys do they do they stay away from the the pocket watching, as it's called? You know, let the guys worry about their own money, and as to say whose fault it is. Okay, one they do the pocket watch. They don't do the pocket watch. In other words, when somebody's holding out, yeah. everyone says, "Look, we." You know, it's like Jones at Kansas City, the great defensive end. You know, we want him here. We want it to work out. We love the guy, all that kind of stuff. He's got to take care of his own thing. You'd never hear negative work coming out of Kansas City. Yeah. Never happened. Mm-mm. Never happened. It's just not going to happen. But this is a different situation. This is the owner being a jerk. Yeah. And I can't think of it, but there's other times he's done that too. And there's other times where he's been very gracious. Yeah. You know, he's got one of the world's greatest guitar Oh, he has a whole museum of things. Yeah. I Worth mean, a fortune. I think he has every instrument from the Beatles, if I believe. He's got the drums, he's got the guitar, the bass. I don't he's got a whole like a traveling museum, basically. Yeah. He keeps some of his pieces in museums because he doesn't have room for it. Well, not only that, but <laughs> for insurance purposes. Yeah, he's got yeah. guitars that are worth seven figures. It's incredible. And he's done a lot of things in the community. But he has a scandal like I am above the law. All right, a couple things. Wow, twenty six and I haven't gotten a third. Not even close to a third through my monologue. Uh, tweet by Kyle Tucker. Multiple coaches and teammates say Devin Leary put on a laser show. Let me repeat this word. Laser show. In 7-on-7 seven seven today and as dazzled. Let me repeat that word. Dazzled with his accuracy all camp. So is everybody coming around to me? <laughs> Y'all got to get on a bandwagon. <laughs> and I really thought what I said yesterday because it was Troy Aikman. Okay. Troy Aikman has credibility that I could never sniff. How could I sniff Troy Aikman's credibility? He can't. Not even close. Not even the same sentence. Not even the same paragraph. Not in the same stratosphere. And I love it because he's saying the same thing that I say. You know, athleticism is great. It's great to have athleticism with accuracy. It's great to have athleticism with a brain and accuracy. Sometimes they all do come together. Oftentimes they do not. Leary has the head and the accuracy. And we shall see. I, I got to tell you, I was trying to think yesterday, leaving the studio, when's the last time I've been this excited about Kentucky football? The curiosity I have. It's a tremendous curiosity. Now, if Larry gets hurt, that doesn't mean I, I was wrong. If Larry starts throwing a lot of picks, guess what? I was wrong. I was wrong. So we shall see. Here's the other thing, a little tidbit. Now, Jimmy, I always take this with a grain of salt. Coaches do what? They pump up their players, right? Of course. Okay, the good ones really do. Liam Cohen is a really Especially good guy. Especially this time of year. By the way, I liked your stat today. I knew both Cohen and White were from Rhode Island. I knew they came from small schools yeah, and competing. And they were. I didn't remember if it was three or four years apart. You said it was four. I knew it was that close. And I love it how you're educating Matthew. Yeah. You know, you, you got to take <laughs> care of Matthew. You're taking care of Matthew. Yeah. So, so I knew all that. You know what else they have in common, which I find interesting, and I wonder if it has something to do with people from Rhode Island or it's a coincidence. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you one. One of the strengths of both Cohen 
and white. Let's forget about all the football they know. And I think they're really, really smart football guys. But there's a lot of really, really smart football guys. Would you agree? Yeah. You know what, to me, sticks out with both of them? Their ability to communicate and make players feel good while they tell them what they need to do. You have heard Brad White in a number of interviews, and I know you've noticed this, in another number of interviews say, he's talking about a player taking a step up. I think J.J. Weaver was one of them I heard. Where he has conversations. I love this. It's not a coordinator sitting in his office high atop. It's bringing the kids in and telling him, you can take this next step and what you have to do and where you are in your career. And I believe in you. And this is what you have to do. I think that's the secret sauce for White and Cohen. The other thing is, when I found out that they both were for Rhode Island a while back, I'm going, hmm. I know I haven't talked about it before, but you brought it up today, so it stimulated me going off the cuff again. I don't know, is it people from Rhode Island? Or it's a coincidence. Could be a coincidence. It's inter- They're both tremendous communicators to their young people, which is the, by far, most underrated part of coaching today. You know, yeah. When, when rep coach, you think he had a conversation with anybody? <laughs> no. 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 And, and by the way, if Chip is listening, am I ripping rep? No. You think Paul Brad Bryant had lovely conversations with his players the way Liam Cohn does and Brad White does? No. No. Do you think the coach at Alabama did, whoever the heck it was in 1954? <laughs> That's before Bear Bryant was there. No. It just wasn't part of the times. So these two men are so special. I think part of that aura that they have, look, you're supposed to play hard, you're supposed to give it to your all, all that kind of stuff, and that's fine, but here's the part, it's just, it's a bunch of crap. Everybody plays harder when you feel good about your teammates and who you're playing for. Yeah. And I think Liam Combe has guys put a smile on their face. That doesn't mean there aren't tough times. That doesn't mean where he doesn't. there aren't times he comes down on his kids. That doesn't mean there are times that Brad White doesn't count him down on his kids. No. And I think that's one of Stoops' thing. I think they have found the way to be tough, caring, and communicate at the same time. I think that's the secret sauce of coaching today. It's also the secret sauce in recruiting. Yeah. And these guys, whatever the it factor is. So if you can find this out, now this will be something I don't know. Okay, and then you have to, of course, educate Matthew. Um, is there something about people from Rhode Island? Or is it just a coincidence? Or maybe it was their high school coaches being like that. Or maybe it was their mom and dad where they came from. I don't have the answer. I just found it fascinating that you have, you know, first of all, you're, you know, the tidbit is, is cool. You got two guys from Rhode Island. H- how many NFL Hall of Famers <laughs> from Rhode Island? Is there one? I, I, I don't know. Is there one in Baseball Hall of Fame from Rhode Island? Probably. I don't know, right? Who knows? Point being is there are well, – first of all, it's a tiny state. Yeah. You, do you remember Candy Camera? Is that before your time? Yeah. Okay, it was a great show. Alan Fund. And and, and they, they pulled pranks on people. It was really great. And one time, why I remember this, I don't know. I'm like five, six years old as you're looking it up. And, and they had a, a roadblock. And it was obviously approved by the state. You could do stuff then you can't do now. And people were about to go into Rhode Island, and they stopped people. And you know what the, the camera guy said? Well, they're, they're shooting at their reactions, right? I'm really sorry the state of Rhode Island is closed today. <laughs> and people turned around. <laughs> it was really good. Said, By the way, I hear it's a beautiful place. Yeah. 
Beautiful. It's place. a great part of the country. I think, too, when you have coaches like that, it lays a foundation for the players to trust you later on and understand the criticism that you give them, whether it's in-game in a heated situation. But when you lay that groundwork of, I care about you, and I will critique you, but in a positive way, positive you know, constructive, constructive criticism, I think that lays that foundation where the guys respect him so much more and then in turn play harder for them. And will listen. Yeah. Couldn't agree with more. They, they will, will listen, listen when the yelling does come. Because, of course, that's going to happen. But when you have those moments behind closed doors where they sit you down, that builds that up to where you will listen when they yell at you. Where if not, and it's just constantly badgering, 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 you'll tune it out. You do and tune you it out. you don't care. Yeah. 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 Blank this guy. Yeah, because he doesn't care about it. All he does is yell at me. Right. And it's no good. And yeah. the world has changed. Uh, really quick, I'll give you an example to back up what you're saying. I don't know if Cummings, the tight end, was going to leave. I can't say that. I will tell you this. Vince Morrow had a lot to do with him staying. Because guess what? Cummings, trust Vince. Trust. 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 You're going to work in that Rhode Island thing, aren't you? Yeah, I'm looking to see the most well-known player from Rhode Island. <laughs> Probably... Will Blackman. Uh, I believe he played for the Jaguars for a little bit. That's the Defensive most, back. That's the most famous player? At least r- names that I recognize that have been playing, but <laughs> okay. like no offensive. Uh, Bill Osmansky uh, was a fullback back in the 40s or back in the 50s. Uh, I got nothing on that. Yeah, I don't know. Dennis Johnson <laughs> coming up next. Dennis Johnson, the great Dennis Johnson from the great Johnson family, Ramon Cariega, 859-533-0914. Take this number down, trust me, because you deserve it. 859-533-0914. Try it. You know, at the YMCA, I can't tell you, I mean, it's been 100, no. Have at least six people, Jimmy, come up to me and say, that acupuncture, is it really good? And I have a kind of sarcastic answer. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. And I get kind of looks because, as I've said, I will not push a company if I don't believe in it. I'm just not going to do it. You know, they, somebody else can do it. It's okay. we got a lot of talented people here. But, but I get the question because people don't know about acupuncture. So I get that. Is it really that good? The answer is yes. Has it really helped me? The answer is yes. Ramon Cariega, Blue Lotus Health, not too far from the studio. Ramon is brilliant. Chinese medicine, pins, needles. Call it what you want. Stick it in all kinds. I've had it in my feet. I've had it in my head. I've had it in my ear. I, I mean, my chest, my legs. I mean, not every part of the body, but lots of parts of the body. Let's just leave it like that. It's spectacular. 859-533-0914. Dennis Johnson coming up next. The Alan Cutler Show on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM and on the ESPN Lexington app. Presented by Republic Bank. At Don Franklin, we're more than a group of car dealerships. We're hardworking, everyday people of Kentucky. We strive daily to give 110% to our customers, our employees, and our families. We are committed to providing everyone with a safe and reliable vehicle. And we continue our tradition of supporting our local communities. At all 24 dealerships across Kentucky, we will treat you like family. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, 
We are Kentucky. It's summertime, and that means it's time to hit the road. Whether you're heading across town or across the state, going on a picnic to a baseball game, or driving to the lake, stop by, fill up, and stock up at Clark's Pump and Shop, your road trip headquarters. Clark's Pump and Shop has everything you need to get you to your summertime destination, including planter's nuts, buy two tubes, get one free, and assorted Pringles large cans, two for $5. Clark's Pump and Shop, return, refresh, refuel. Houchins Insurance Group is proud to partner with Auto Owners Insurance, a company that provides opportunity for independent agents to make insurance simple for their clients, offering risk management services that range from a renter's policy for your college student to home and auto coverage for your entire family. Houchins Insurance Group assures you that nobody works harder to keep you protected from life's uncertainties. Reach out to AJ Boss or Zach Bennett at 859-263-2771 to see if Auto Owners Insurance makes sense for you. Overdraft fees? More like no overdraft fees. With a simple access checking account from Republic Bank, you don't have to worry about overdraft fees because there are none. But there's more. Simple access checking may allow you to access your direct deposit up to two business days early and gives you the convenience of a Republic Bank MasterCard debit card. Learn more at republicbank.com simple. It's just easier here. Member FDIC. Lexington area weather. Our temperatures continue for your Wednesday afternoon highs into the low 90s with mostly sunny skies. As you head into your day tomorrow and Friday, that's where we get the brunt of the heat. Heat indices approaching the low 100s both days could sneak in a shower or storm as well. I'm ABC 36 Storm Team Meteorologist Dylan Goday. Matthew was in Eddie and the Cruisers and St. Elmo's Fire. Jimmy can finally go see R-rated movies without an adult. Matthew and Jimmy, weekdays 10 to noon on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Back to No Filter Radio with Alan Cutler. Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and Google, Monday through Friday. Way back in 1997, I had no white hair. I had no gray hair. At least I don't think, or that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Jimmy, my producer, was just getting out of diapers a long time ago. This young man, now a very mature adult, this young man was the National Player of the Year. Also, Mr. Football in Kentucky, Dennis Johnson. And, and Dennis, first of all, and I'm sure you couldn't hear the shows with everything going on in your life, but uh, we said so many things about your dad. Your dad was a pioneer. You know, your dad in today's society, when he started at Harrisburg, to be the only man who looked like he looked right. all around here. And, and, you know, I didn't realize I wasn't here when your dad started, but when I came here and realized that he was the first, I'm going, how is the only one? How is that possible? How far behind is Kentucky? And then um, Mike Meehan, what did he say the other day? Former Dunbar coach, how many African-American coaches there are, head coaches now in Lexington? It's a whole bunch. The world has changed. Finally, finally. You know, I never understood how the NFL had the overwhelming majority of African-American players, and there's still so few African-American head coaches. I mean, I, I, hello? Anybody home? I mean, I, it's, just, it, it's just awful. And, and your dad, he didn't give a rat's if you're white, black, yellow, green, purple, whatever. Your dad would have been a great judge. Seriously, and he cared about. And, and by the way, one thing I would never want to cross your dad. Um, <laughs> your dad loved kids and did anything for any kid. And usually, you'll hear something bad about someone. I never heard a 
syllable that wasn't good about your dad. Think up how long I've been here. And so you lost your dad, and then you did something. I don't know how you did it. It's one of the greatest honors you can have while you're still here. But to play your first game on Alvis Johnson Field, the open up the season, I, I, how could you walk out on the field and not be crying like you know? I'm I, when I heard that I was welting up, and and, and you got to coach your team, and I know how you are. You aren't going to tell the team this is about me and my dad. That's not how you were built. That's not how your mom and dad raised you. How did you do that? Walk on the field right after your dad passed, and they're honoring your dad, and it's his field. I mean, how did you do that? Yeah, no, it was uh, no, it was you know, going down the hill. I, I rolled down the hill so many times in the back of my dad's old truck and. Uh, you know, just so many memories popped across my mind, but I just, I, I, I'm always very conscious of, you know, what he would say to me if, if he were still living and, you know, just the way he lived his life. And so I knew we, we had to go play and what an honor it was to be able to play, you know, after his death and he had the funeral down there and to be able to play on, on his field. You know, like I said, I didn't even, I just, I just, like you said, you know me, Mr. Cutler, I'm not like that, but you know, it was definitely in my personal mind, you know, I was I was very grateful and thankful and, and, and thought about my dad a lot. I always used to, if you ever came to a lot of games before, when we were trying to build our program, I would always go to him and, you know, just get his thoughts and advice. And he was always three or four series ahead, you know what I'm saying, do this because down the road you might need this, so don't take a time out here. And so uh, not having that was definitely hard, but I know he would want us to move on and and uh, I told uh, Mr. Vaughn, I said, he's probably mad at me. We gave up 40 points. And so, you know, he loved defense. And so uh, I know he was, play, he was probably he was probably kicking a little bit up in heaven. But now it was just a great honor to be able to play on this field and to be able to celebrate with so many people from Harrisburg I haven't seen in a long time. And so uh, it, it was a great experience. You know, I think it's tough for people to understand. I know you do. I know your family does. And then sometimes when you don't see people for a long time, that's just, you know, it, it goes on for everybody, about how – Many people, your dad affected their lives and changed their lives. See, to me, that's that's a measure that's that has him. He's a head coach up in heaven somewhere. There's no question about what league he's coaching in, but he's got a league and he's got a good team in the league. There's no question about it. But your, right. your dad just changed lives. I mean, Craig East came on here because I wasn't going to bug you for obvious reasons. Not then. I I was going to wait a couple weeks if you wanted to come on. And Dennis, I get that. Um, but, you know, when Craig e says, I'm not here today <laughs> coaching a team, I'm not the person I am without your mom and dad and what, what they did for him and took him in. I mean, I mean, that's, uh, that's past beautiful. Right. No, no, it's, uh, he, he definitely, my mom and dad in this community, you know, if you can, if you can affect another life, you've, you've done something to be productive in the world and both of them, you know, forever. And, and, and people said it before I me, mean, we shared our our mother and father with a lot of different people and, and we loved it. So that's, that's one of the big reasons myself and my brother got into coaching just to be able to give back. You know, you want to, you want to try to raise young men and women and, and put them in a, in a, in a positive direction. But I, I love coaching just because you can give back. You can, the good, the bad and the ugly. But when you see a kid at the end of a season and, you know, if you didn't want to title, everybody else is crying and they can say, man, you know, football is affecting my life. This has kind of been my family. I've earned a little bit of discipline you know, academically to come to school, try to be on time and, and to do what I'm supposed to do to help a team. I think you've been able to affect somebody. So we got to see that for, for, for a number of years. And, you know, it was a many nights of guys who got in trouble or, you know, came over to our house and he would make us sleep on the floor if he was getting to beds. And, and so he just affected so many people, man. So I'll try to 
always keep that with me. And, and, and he loved, he was a very competitive person, and everybody knows that, but he loved, he loved people and he loved sports, man. And so uh, when you mix those two together, man, you he was able to produce, uh, produce a program uh, in Hasbro with a lot of great athletes, a lot of great families, man, and, and have a lot of great success. You know, I don't have any doubt that if your dad wanted to hop on the train a long time ago to be an assistant coach in college, I could have seen him being a head coach at a major school. Could have seen it right. easily. Even with so few African-Americans getting chances back then in your father's day, I could have seen him doing that and being a hell of a coach, a hell of a big-time coach. No, he and he had a ton of opportunities. I know when we were young, he got offered a, a, a few jobs, and so we went. I know we went on a few visits, but, you know, when we were young, we was like, man, we want to stay here and stay in Harrisburg, and so he kind of, he kind of adhered kind of to our wishes because it's kind of what we wanted. But he had a ton of opportunities to go in Coast College. But that was, you know, I think that was a part of his dream. But he wanted to he wanted to make sure we were good. And then once you know we graduated, he got a chance to go to UK for ten years, which I think was was, was a great opportunity for him. And so what? No, but he had, he had a lot of opportunities, man. Very brilliant man, good businessman. You know, we have we have a transportation company in a car wash in Harrisburg that he started. And, and I asked him one day, I said, "But you retired, and you know, you have some money, and why do you need to?" Uh, he said, and that's not for you guys, it's for my grandkids just to build a legacy. And so I was like, wow, for him to do that, you know what I'm saying, we didn't have to. I was like, man, he just, he was so before his time. You know, we always thought thought a, a lot ahead about other people. And so that's one thing that I think uh, I respected. My brother and I respected a ton about him, you know what I'm saying? Because he, he always was thinking about other people and putting other people ahead, but he always thought about the future and, and trying to get things in order. Dennis Johnson, Woodford County head football coach, kind enough to join us. And, uh, you know, as I said on the air that night, and I put it on Twitter, I was lucky to get to know your father. I was lucky that I think your dad considered me a friend. I mean, I was lucky. I, 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 I thought I was the lucky one. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, no, he, uh, no, he really, he really, you know, you guys, you know, you guys were able to bring a lot of notoriety to Harrisburg, you know, from your, coverage and so he was grateful for that but he he really liked you because you're a straight you're you're a straight shooter too and he liked those people who are who are straight shooters you know if he if he had a bad game he'd be the first one to say it, it's my fault and we need to get better and so he liked people like that but no he was he was a a, a very respectful to other people person I, I met a guy the other day uh we played a jv game and a guy said man i was just a, a backup at gary county high school and every time i would see you that he knew my first and last name and i was like man how does albert johnson know my name i just said that's just how he was you know if he met somebody he would remember their name he would call him by name and you know respect was was one of his main characteristics for himself and for all the players he coached and so uh that's a that's one of the legacies he left. You know, and that's even a better story. He wasn't the star of the team. He wasn't a starter on the team. He was a backup on the team, and your dad remembered him. Uh, that's really cool. Right. That's that's really right. cool. And and it'd be easy to forget. There's no question about it. So the next 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, hopefully you coach forever. I know you're you're saying I Cutler, I can't do this forever, but you're helping <laughs> you're helping too many kids. How many times in the next 20, 30 years? And, I, and I'm going that far out on purpose as long as you're coaching. You know, it's fourth and one. You got a decision, punt, not punt. You're going to keep on hearing your dad's voice in the back of your head. I could see you saying as smart as you are about football because you, in one hand, you don't need your dad for knowledge, okay? That's you. But on the other hand, you got a resource there that's off the charts. Can you see having your dad's voice in your head it's a tight ball game. This thirty seconds ago, it's fourth and one, and all of a sudden, you're saying, "What would my dad do?" Can you see yourself still know. doing that twenty years? From oh, now? absolutely! No, I did it. I, you know, I did the other day. We had a uh, 
it was it was a call we had to make. I think a third down, one pass. I have good coordinators, offensive defense guys. I'm like, wonder, wonder what my pops would do. And so, uh, so I, I think of it all the time. And, and, and when our program was struggling early on, a lot of people don't know this, and I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I used to come up here in the morning. You know, we always had those six oh one, eight thirty one. If you ever know, we do times and our our uh, our schedule for football and stuff. We always have those odd times. And so I used to meet him up here when we were when our program was really struggling, man. And he bought two big Apple computers, two screens, so we could watch it uh, in his office. So we would meet me down there, and man, it would be a it would be a session like no other. I mean, I would I would have a notepad and have ten, eleven pages later, man, stuff I did wrong and stuff. And so those are probably some of the lessons I remember more than him telling me the fourth and one because the last few years we've had pretty good program and we've built it, you know what I'm saying, to where it is now and, and hopefully we can sustain it. But uh in those years when it was really, really tough, man, he didn't he didn't give me any outs, any excuses. He said, No, you need to get better and so we would go down there and Four or five, even when my kids were young playing youth football, man, I'm like, Dad, we got to go to the game. I always still got 10 minutes. We got 10 more minutes, but he loved it. And, and he really helped me uh, elevate myself as a coach and, and, and just the particulars and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, we need this and this and this. He's like, no, no, it's, it's what are you doing? What are you instilling? It's not what you know. It's what those kids know on Friday night when you go out. So we used to go over a ton of film. And so that's probably one of the, the lasting memories I have of my father being in there at six o'clock when we got beat fifty to nothing, and I'm really down, and he's mad we got beat. But he was when we turned on the film, man. He turned into a whole new character, and I was like, man, I I couldn't believe it after we got busted so bad. But I remember, you know, just like all the my new things we didn't do to give ourselves a chance to even score a touchdown. So those are some of the memories I'll have for my dad for the rest of my life. And he loved sharing his knowledge with you. That was probably one of the great joys of his life, knowing your dad. Right? No, it was, and like I said, he used to get. He was so emotional, and, and and at first, you know, you know, as a young coach, you think you know everything. You're like, man, Dad, I got it, and and, and he would kind of kind of just relinquish, and then I finally figured out, no, you don't have it, so you better listen to the voice of wisdom. And when I started doing it, that's when our program really started to elevate. Dennis Johnson, kind enough to join us for a couple of more minutes, talking about his dad, the late great Alvis Johnson. So, you know, I, I think people don't realize just because you were a superstar player, national player of the year, that doesn't mean every superstar player is going to be a superstar coach. I know that, you know that, whatever, but you had the opportunity to learn from somebody who had his doctorate degree in coaching. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would imagine this, the sessions with your dad probably saved you eight, ten years of coaching, speeding up the knowledge that you picked up where I bet you're tons more comfortable now because of the knowledge that you have as a coach. Forget the fact the player that you were. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely no. He told me early on. I remember my first year coaching at a at a Jesse Clark Middle School, and he came to a practice one day, and I, I'm I'm throwing out this real, you know, lingo is NFL, and he's like, "Come here." And he's like, "Listen, these these cats have no idea what you are saying. You need to bring it down to their level. So therefore, that requires you to uh, have a scouting report and, and and a daily schedule." So you know exactly what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, Dad, they need it. He's like, no, 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 they don't know. You know, and so I've, I've tried to keep that with me. But just a lot of the, just a lot of the basic stuff, not off-the-chart stuff, just some basic fundamentals you need to do to, to, to run a successful program, to be a successful athletic director, uh, to, to try to even be a, you know, a, a family man my dad has taught me. And so, uh, you know, just, just those, like I said, those principles that are constantly in my head and when I'm having a bad day or, or, or I need to make a decision, I, I always will, will think about what, what what will my father do. And so uh, uh, I know he'll he'll be that little that little uh, that little thing in my head that tells me what decision to make, and, and it won't be a wrong decision. You know, your brother Derek, to me, has always been one of my favorites as well. You always got more pub than 
he got. But I, I have to tell you this. I respect your brother as much as I respect you, even though you got more pub. I hope you're okay with that. Cause, cause it's oh, no, a, absolutely not. It's, it's the truth. I mean, I respect you both equally, even though you got more pub. Um, but my point is this. The fact that he's one of your coaches, and you get to see your brother every day. And I bet your brother's a hell of a coach, by the way. And that's he cool. Is. But that's Go not, ahead, be my coach. Yeah, and that's my, I guess I should make that the point. But the point is, you get to share this, your life, and he gets to share his life with you as close as you guys were. That it, To me, that's beautiful. No, it is. And I, like I said, he, he, my brother's got a chance to coach uh, my kids, and so and now he has a kid that's a sophomore and a, one that's going to come up uh, in a year, and so we get a chance to coach each other's kids. And so it's been, it's been great, man. He's been he's been a great resource, you know, wealth of knowledge, you know, loyalty. And so he's he's been there through thick and thin when I when, when it wasn't going really well for Wilford County, and so uh, now we, we we talk about a lot of stuff. And, bounce ideas off each other and you know just just talk through a lot of things and so uh, it's, it's been good and we were all together it was great and so you know now we lost the the big wheel so Derek and I are trying to you know carry on the the tradition of, of kind of the foundation of just not not winning football but just some of the traditions and and uh and and just morals of, of being good people and trying to run a good program and trying to build young men and women to be successful. I got two plays in top of my head. Didn't write this down. I remember both vividly. One is of you. One is of your brother when you played at Kentucky. You ready for this? Okay. So everybody who's young does not understand the pressure Dennis was under. You know, turning down Notre Dame, National Player of the Year. Um, I'm glad you can. First of all, you should do whatever the heck you want. And and you you were happy coming here. but, But, you know, I wonder how life would have been different if you went to Notre Dame without the pressure. You can just been you. With you had... 50,000 eyes on you. I mean, you would not have had 50,000 eyes on you the same way at Notre Dame. And you didn't get a sack for a long time. And then you finally got a sack. It was against Vanderbilt. And I have never, let me repeat this, Dennis, never (laughs) seen that. I mean, thank goodness. I've always had great photographers, really. I've been so lucky and blessed. It's ridiculous how, how many great photographers that I was fortunate to work with who made me look good. And I don't remember who shot it that day, but you got this sack against Fandy. And usually after a celebration, if somebody goes three, four seconds, whatever, and you're about to turn a counter off, that kind of thing. Did you run 50 yards? You probably, I probably <laughs> run 100. <laughs> I probably came and gave you a hug. And my mom and whoever else was in the stands, man, because it was just a, you know, like a, and, and you hit it best, man. And I've, I've always felt pressure. My dad always said that, you know, you need to, pressure's okay, you know, when you have an expectation. You feel pressure, and so I went for I don't know five six games and didn't have a sack, man. I'm like, man, you know, and I, you know, I, you know, the, the pressure gets to you. Know, I, they brought me in to be a pass rusher, and so when I finally got that sack, I'm like, Ooh, it was like a it was like a weight lifted, you know, it was like it was like a weight lifted. But I remember running around, and I don't know if I was I was probably tired from running around and having to work out uh, during the season uh, uh, in the mornings for for weightlifting. But no, it was a, it was definitely a it was definitely a sour relief for myself, and so uh, now that's definitely a that's definitely a mine as well. Uh, Jimmy, let me tell you this, Jimmy. Jimmy, let me tell you something. He didn't just run like fifty yards. He was wailing his arms all over the place. He was dancing, <laughs> throwing his arms up and going crazy. It wasn't just like a and and it was almost. I, I wondered how the heck you play the next play if you had to play the next. Right. Play. I mean, he was guy. Seriously, I have never. I mean, I've watched some football since nineteen sixty. You know what I mean? I've never seen right. anyone run that far in a sack. I mean, it's like you boom, you let it all all out. All right, I got one yeah, on your brother. You got one on your uh, brother. You ready? Your brother. Right. I've said this many times before. Your brother got screwed. 
Your your brother should have been starting at Kentucky for about three years. And, and right. we're not going to get into it. That's not the purpose of bringing it up. He really did get screwed. I'm in the weight room one day, and I'm rarely in the weight room. They allowed me in. I was doing a story on somebody, whatever, and your brother's on the side. So as as whoever I was uh, doing the story on, I had the interview. So my photographer was shooting cover, and I went over to say hi to your brother. He's got 50-pound dumbbells in each hand, mm-hmm. and he's curling them like I would curl 10 pounds. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and I'm staring at him. And I said, you really are the strongest guy in the team. And, and, and I'll tell you how I respond. You already know. He's Mr. Cutler I am. And I tried, I tried to get you guys not to call me Mr., and I'm, I'm almost giving up. I mean, you're going to be a grandfather. You're still going to be calling me Mr. Which oh, no. Nice. We better. We better. <laughs> I, 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 you better do it on my Howard, George. Just, like I said, the sound of respect. And, uh, I'm, and I'm surprised. Hey, that's one thing. I'm surprised Doug was so humble about now. He was, a, he, was a, he was strong as an ox, man. Guy could, could bench over 500, squat over 750, I think, 700, 750, and that was – I, I used to be amazed when he go in there and squat. And then he would get he would he would max Mr. Cullen and do seven twenty five, try to put seven fifty or seven thirty five on the bar and miss it and be mad. I'm like, Derek, is really not a difference between seven twenty five and like no one really cares. Like you did seven hundred pounds. Like I can't even all my lifts together don't equal seven hundred. So I don't know why you going around and punching the walls and all that dude. Seven twenty five is pretty good. But now he was he was definitely a he was definitely an ox man. He was was been strong. He's always been big, but he's been stronger ever since he was he was young. Well, here's the play. You ready for this? It was against Tennessee, and it's fourth okay. and one. It was his senior year, yes. and he's in the game. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the Tennessee running back, but he was one of the really good running backs. Played in the NFL. Okay, is that good enough? Uh, hopefully. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the name. It is what it is. And, and the old let's go up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Your brother hit him with one shoulder. One shoulder. One shoulder. Yeah. Caught him in midair, that. Jimmy. I'm not kidding you. Caught him in midair. And I don't know if I've ever seen this either. The running back for Tennessee, and, and he, he happened to catch him at, at the, you know, Derek, your brother timed it like perfectly. Caught him in midair at the apex, and that he didn't just stop the Tennessee running back. He didn't just get the ball for Kentucky. He knocked him back. I mean, he, he knocked literally him knocked him back. And, you know, I, we've seen guys stop him, you know, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody of a quality back, this kid, whoever it was, was a quality back, get, I mean, he, he went backwards. Boom. And, and, yeah, no. and, and I, kept on, I kept on showing that play on TV over and over, and I'm saying, look, I'm not saying it's the greatest play in the history of U.K. football, but I would say this is one of the greatest plays. Why does anybody – Kentucky lost the game. Shocker, I'm sorry. We, oh, that. man, that was uh... – a. Hey, and you know that we were up at – remember that game? We were up at halftime, and then uh, my buddy Dante Starworth from Tennessee caught like three bombs on us in the second half. Yes, he did. That was, probably, that was probably one of the that was probably one of the, the toughest losses for me to take because we had had such a great week of practice and made all those plays in the first half and and, and, and get to get beat at home. Uh, and I think – I forget how, how long the streak had been going on for, but that was, that was probably one of my tougher losses. I remember that vividly. I remember the game, and had Kentucky won – your brother's play would have shined tremendously, but when a great play happens and you lose, it gets lost in the shuffle. I don't – I can tell you this part. Defensively speaking, on the line – I've been covering this, this Kentucky team for quite a long time. I've never seen a better defensive play on, of alignment. Never in Kentucky. Right. And it's one of the best defensive plays, Not, I'm not kidding, in college that I've ever seen. And I, and I go on TV, how is he not playing? Gee, he's a yeah. great kid. Yeah. 
He's the strongest guy on the team. You got to double team him, which means right. maybe a linebacker is going to get more tackle. I'm, uh, I was kind of nasty about. <laughs> and, <laughs> I was, and I don't regret it. And it was the right thing to do. The funny part was, I thought more people would do it, and they didn't. Mm. I don't know. Where I just do. We should be talking about Ward for County stuff. It's just two two plays that stuck out, and you know what? Here's what's really cool. That, Dennis, that was a long time ago, and I've got it both plays visualized in my head right now, which is not bad uh, for a seventy-year-old. Hey, you still got hey, you got it, you, you, but your mind's like a twenty-year-old. You know what I'm saying? So you get you got a lot up there, and you remember a lot. So those for you to remember those two plays, well, those are those are uh, that's very impressive. Well, do very me a favor. Impressive. Don't ask my wife if my mind is of a twenty-year-old. <laughs> All right. Don't do that. I, I promise I won't. I Don't won't, do that because I, I, I have a feeling we both know the answer. Um, real quick, tell me about your son, what he's doing. I mean, this is now a huge, big-time basketball recruit. And and and, and I got to tell you, when I saw your son in the Sweet 16, I'm going, mm-hmm. he's got to be I – mean, he played with such maturity. I'm going, all he's got to do is fill out, which will happen with time and, you know, whatever. I'm going – He's got to be at least a year older, and he's not. I, I mean, I can't believe how good your son was when I saw him. No, he's uh, no, he's he's had a, a really good summer. We traveled all over the place. I mean, we've been to Vegas. He, uh, we've been Houston. We've been to Phoenix. We've been all over all these camps and stuff. And so, uh, got a chance to go to Chris Paul's uh, a few weeks ago, and was really really good. He called me and said, "Dan, I'm in, I'm at Chris's uh, house or something." He said, "This is humongous." And so, got a chance to experience and. Work out with a lot of pros, and so he'll leave on September 3rd to go to Link Academy in Branson, Missouri. Uh, Link won the national championship last year, the Geico Nationals last year. Uh, the head coach is Bill Armstrong, who was at LSU when they won the SEC four or five years ago. So going to a good situation, and we had a chance to go to overtime elite and, 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 and turn that down just because I wanted to be a kid and still academically, you know, mature some and, and mature his body. But I think Link is a is a good fit for him, and so uh, we're excited about that. Uh, he's got a, you know, got a ton of offers. Just got a Baylor offer last night. We talked to Coach on the phone, and he was Coach Drew is wow. He's a he's a ball of energy. But just I've had a great time just being able to meet all these coaches and being able to travel. And we've done a lot of official visits. Probably soon we're going to probably put out a top five to ten list and uh, start taking some official and unofficial visits. And so it just man, just we just put in a lot of work, man. And uh, you know, we we've, we've we stay in the gym. He stays in the gym by himself a lot. And so, uh, uh, he, like I said, played for Team Thad out of Memphis and had a good summer. Uh, um, and so uh, we're just excited for his future. You know he has a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do, and uh, trying to mature and lift weights and get his body together. But, uh, no, we're excited for his future. So when Jasper was five, did you say football or basketball? Or I know you a little bit to say, okay, look, as long as he gets his grades, you don't care. But there's also a certain point which said, you know, I could see him doing one or the other. What what was in your head when he was five? I'm telling you, well, I kind of knew he always when we were since we were since he was a baby had a basketball in his hand, and so uh, always dribbled around at his at his brother's baseball games or his older brother's football games. Always had a basketball in his hand, but people don't know he was a really really he, he had a few injuries last year. He was a really really good quarterback. I mean, he I think last year one game he went three for three for 160 yards and three touchdowns. And so played safety for us last year was second in picks. Uh, but was a good football player, and and and, and, he, and he's and he's missing now. He didn't leave, he didn't leave until the first. When he comes to all the games, and I was at that practice, and he tells me he misses it just because he loves football. But I'll tell you a great story. Last year we were playing Whitley County in the first round of playoffs, and my dad was kind of he was still kind of sick, so he was we got him. He was in his car 
uh, right on the front row, uh, you know, our stadium is. And so a kid caught a ball on him, and he got mad. And so they had a big running back. And so Jasper tries to meet him in a hole and gives him everything he gets and tackles a guy. And I'm like, man, you know, he's 6'5", 170 pounds, 65, 70 pounds. And I was walking to the locker room. We were up. And so I went over and talked to my daddy today. This is it. This is this is needs to be his last season of football. He just he's trying to hit these big old running backs, and he's six five and trying to you know he you know what I'm saying. So he said this needs to be it. So that's kind of when I knew basketball was over. And after the season, we talked about it. It was like you know, and especially with the summer we had, it was like you know, basketball needs to end, and we need to kind of go full time full time basketball. And so that's kind of where we're at now. You know, it's kind so of I, the great Alvis Johnson made the decision to say it was it. My sitting as much as love my boy said. He needs to be a basketball player. And you know, can I see your as much as your dad loved football? Can I see him saying it? Yeah, because he can see. I love my grandson. He's 170 right. pounds. I'd let him play. <laughs> Plus, a great basketball. No. You know what the funny part is? Uh, when Tim Couch was here about a month or so ago, we were talking, and I knew he started playing football because he looked up to his brother Greg, who, in his own right, was a hell of a college quarterback. But mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time. I, maybe I did, and I forgot. But I didn't realize that Tim didn't like football. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't, I mean, when he said that, I'm wow. staring at him like crazy. He goes, yeah, I really didn't like it. I said, you eventually liked it. Oh, yeah, I eventually liked it. But he said, I didn't want to play. Didn't want to get hit. Didn't want to play. Whatever. But he wanted to hang with his brother like brothers do, right? <clears throat> right. And, and I still say I wonder what would have happened to Tim if he played basketball. You know, he averaged like 35, 36 a game, and he could shoot like heck. And, 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 and he played defense, and he could rebound, but he didn't like – I was thinking of your son Jasper. Is like, did he like one sport more than another, or was he doing it because of somebody, whatever? But um, uh, every case is just different. I don't know why I thought of that couch story, but yeah, I think right. your dad made the right call. Um, you know, you might be sitting in Indianapolis five, six years from now. You know, meeting your son, watching him play a, an NBA game. I could see that. No, we think he definitely has the opportunity uh, to uh, to be successful, and so. A lot of work, man, and it's a small margin of error for for basketball. Just because it's, you know, you think about the kids overseas and all and all over the world now who who play basketball and and, and just how much they're able to play and the skill of all these kids. And so we just try to, you know, like like my father and mother did us, keep them level headed, keep them level headed, be very respectful, you know. But you got to be the hardest worker in the room, and and, and that's every single day. Now, if you're gonna be the best player, you shouldn't be the best player. Uh, in the gym, but you work work toward that every single day, and so I think he, uh, I think he, he's he, he's he's listened to us a little bit, and and uh, and he's excited to go, and and, and they'll play a national schedule with. I got something in the works too, so I'll, I'll kind of give you him. We're thinking about having a classic, uh, uh, maybe called the Alvis Johnson Classic at Wilford County. He'll come back and they'll play a big national team, probably two games, and so. That might take place in January, so I'll get you more information about yeah, that. Yeah, so, anything I can do to yeah. help the publicity, you let me know. I definitely will. I definitely will. So we're uh, we're definitely excited about him, and like I said, his journey in life, and, and excited to see where it goes. Hey, look, one, I appreciate your time. Two, you know my love for you and the family. It's off the charts. Yes, sir. Um, thank you for joining us, and thank you for talking about your dad. Have a great year. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. Just yes, sir. Don't don't change. Really, Dennis. You. Bless you, Dennis. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Hey, have a great day. Bye bye. You too. You too. Dennis Johnson, the great Dennis Johnson. Uh, he, <laughs> as I've said before, I don't know what the number one sports family is in Kentucky. You make for a great column, and you can go back to the birds in the fifties and stuff like that. You know, things, Jimmy, passed the test of the time. 
um, Shelby's in baseball. I, 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 you know, I'm going to forget about some stuff, and that's fine. The point being is, on and off the field, Jimmy, on and off the field, uh, the Johnson family, they're as good as it gets in the history of Kentucky. And if you want to take the field part off, I'm good with that too because of what Alvis, and now Dennis is doing it, and Derek is doing it, what Alvis did for young people, you know, like I said, when Craigie says he wouldn't be the head coach at Mercer County, wouldn't be the man he is today without Dennis's dad and mom. Does it get any better than that? And it's not like Craig's the only one. And it's not like there's four or five more. So uh, appreciate Dennis's time. Wish him the best of luck. He's done a hell of a job at Woodford County. And um, I hadn't thought about that, but it's a great idea. The Alvis Johnson, I don't know, Memorial Tournament or whatever they want to call it. Do I think they'll get sponsors? Yes. I think that would be a massive, massive event if they did it. They'd pack the house. Each year, yeah. You, could, you couldn't get a ticket. They, they could probably charge a pretty good sum of money, but you don't want to tick people off to raise money for charity and stuff like that and bring us some national. That would be standing room only. Standing room only. The fire marshals need to turn the other way. Uh, Dennis, bless you. Bless you and your family. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in a couple minutes, we're going to talk some more football, some more High school football, uh, Jared Peck does a very nice job covering high school sports for the Lexington Herald-Leader. He will join us in just a couple minutes. Terry Page, Terry, Terry, Terry Page. Um, I said this the other day, I've probably said it nine or ten times, using the example that Mike Langfelds, he's put a couple of these unsolicited on Facebook, talking about how Terry Page not only has helped him tremendously, not only do I know that he's recommended other people who have shown up to Terry Page, but... Uh, Mike Langfield has thanked me for talking about Terry Page on the air, so he found out about her. Licensed massage therapist, a spectacular licensed massage therapist who's helped me not a little but tremendously. Get to her early. She books up weeks in advance now. 859-373-0578. Texting is the best way to reach her. Setting up appointment, 859-373-0578. And when you go and you want to see her again, set up a regular appointment because if you call the day of, odds are you ain't getting in. 859-373-0578. Terry Page, not too far from the studios, right here in Lexington at Top Notch Salon. The Alan Cutler Show on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM and on the ESPN Lexington app. Presented by the Don Franklin Family of Dealerships. It's summertime and that means it's time to hit the road. Whether you're heading across town or across the state, going on a picnic to a baseball game or driving to the lake, stop by, fill up and stock up at Clark's Pump and Shop, your road trip headquarters. Clark's Pump and Shop has everything you need to get you to your summertime destination, including five-hour energy shots, buy two, get one free, and Mountain Dew, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper 20-ounce bottles, three for $5. Clark's Pump and Shop, return, refresh, refuel. At Don Franklin, we're more than a group of car dealerships. We're hardworking, everyday people of Kentucky. We strive daily to give 110% to our customers, our employees, and our families. We are committed to providing everyone with a safe and reliable vehicle. And we continue our tradition of supporting our local communities. At all 24 dealerships across Kentucky, we will treat you like family. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. 
Houchins Insurance Group is proud to partner with Auto Owners Insurance, a company that provides opportunity for independent agents to make insurance simple for their clients, offering risk management services that range from a renter's policy for your college student to home and auto coverage for your entire family. Houchins Insurance Group assures you that nobody works harder to keep you protected from life's uncertainties. Reach out to A.J. Boss or Zach Bennett at 859-263-2771 to see if Auto Owners Insurance makes sense for you. Overdraft fees? More like no overdraft fees. With a simple access checking account from Republic Bank, you don't have to worry about overdraft fees because there are none. But there's more. Simple access checking may allow you to access your direct deposit up to two business days early and gives you the convenience of a Republic Bank MasterCard debit card. Learn more at republicbank.com simple. It's just easier here. Member FDIC. W223-CV Lexington. ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. WLXG Lexington. An LM Communications Broadcasting Station. The only no-filter sports show in Kentucky. It's the Alan Cutler Show with award-winning TV sportscaster Alan Cutler. Honored and pleased that Dennis Johnson joined us. Some just wonderful, wonderful stuff. And looks like there's going to be an Alvis Johnson basketball tournament in January they're working on. Bringing in some national teams, including his son Jasper, who's a big-time, big-time, big-time recruit. Uh, that will be a huge success. Anything we can do to help out, we are honored and pleased to help out. Really pleased to have Jared Peck on. Jared, the uh, high school guy for the Lexington Herald Leader and probably has some of the best list of cell phone numbers of high school coaches in the state. They can't be three people. i got 196. You have 196 cell phone numbers? Yes, I do. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. That's football. That's football and basketball. No, that's football. That's out of the two hundred twenty-three football coaches. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You mean to tell me there's twenty-seven coaches that would not give you their cell phone number, and you have everybody else in the whole state? Yeah, I had one hundred sixty-eight respond to my survey this year, but over the last four years, I've had one hundred ninety-six. Wow. Um, so I've got all. The, I've got all their numbers. And, I mean, only 96 teams win a playoff game. <laughs> so, I'm doing pretty good. I got you. Now, is it easy to get them to text you back? I bet some coaches it's easy and some coaches it's the pain in you-know-what. Yes? It's, a, it's as you would imagine it would be. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, and I also imagine you know, the longer you're on the beat, the, the more you get to know some of these guys and they're more apt to text you back. Yes, I, I do have some very good relationships. Yeah. I, I'm thankful for that. Uh, I am too. I was always thankful for the relationships. I think that's the key in doing what we do, and I don't know why everybody who does this doesn't get it. A lot of people do, and usually those are the ones that are successful. Uh, Jared, in your, first of all, before I forget, tell everybody how they can follow you on Twitter and read you and stuff to make sure I give you the proper plug and I don't forget. Well, I'm at HL Preps on uh, Twitter or X, whatever it is right now, and you know, I, I go to games and tweet out highlights from there, and I'll retweet my stories. And My stories are on uh, Kentucky.com and, and the Herald Leader. Uh, we're not, you know, the next day. It's not in the next day's paper when I go somewhere. It's usually the day after. Uh, but uh, try to keep up with all as many high school sports as I can. I don't know how the hell you shoot video on your phone and still take notes to write the story. Seriously. I mean, I did this for a living. And I'm going, 
it cannot be. I know what it's like. I mean, I had to take notes of a basketball game, and then I had to do Twitter, and we had to do Facebook, and I had to write a story for the half and after the game, and then I had to do my TV post game. And the last couple of years of doing TV, covering game wasn't fun. Really, it wasn't fun at all because you were afraid about missing something because you're doing exaggeration, 12 different things literally at one time. Yeah, on Saturday I went to see Woodford County play Bullet East, and then I got home and then I watched LCA Bowling Green on the TV, and I was writing that plus roundups plus trying to keep up with the LCA game, and I filed two stories <laughs> for the next morning and got her done. Somehow you get it done. Dead, you know, for a long until about the last three years, I loved deadlines. I think I was a sick person. It was the juice, the adrenaline. Um, uh, I would imagine you like deadlines, otherwise you can't survive doing what we did, right? Uh, I just have to have it done. By, I want to get it up in the morning whenever people wake up so it's there uh, when they turn on their phone or turn on their computer. Uh, last secret question. You drinking coffee 1 o'clock in the morning to stay awake to finish banging those stories out? <laughs> uh, well, I... Let's say uh, Baja Blast Zero is my favorite uh, okay. drink. <laughs> so you've got your own fix. It's a beautiful thing. Um, okay. Yep. Um, Jared, how many years have you covered high? Is it just the four the herd leader has been longer? And I have a specific reason for asking. I, I've been a high school writer for four years. I was with, with the Herald leader as a newsman for 15 years before that. I, I was on the news side. Okay, I knew you were on the news, but I didn't know if previously you had done some other high school stuff. My point is this, are the stats getting better? Are the defenses not as good? Are the offensive minds getting better? Or is the offensive talent all of a sudden getting better and better in the state? I think we're getting, you know, with, with as much a highlight as they get nowadays, we're seeing the talent level rise. Now, I mean, back in the day, you know, uh, you know there's been high school stars and you know, the Sean Alexanders and stuff like that. It's been like that. And, I mean, we have a lot of, you know, talent that are NAIA level, Division three level. That's always been the case. Uh, the top end has been uh, where uh, maybe we've seen more in recent years, but there's only like 15, you know, three-star recruits in Kentucky right now you know, as seniors and seven or eight as juniors. Um, but the you, people are getting to see them a lot more, I think, because of streaming and all that stuff, and you get to see their highlights. Um, but, I mean, it's as good as it's ever been. Whether it's better than it's ever been, I'm not sure. Well, you got a kid named Deuce Bailey who only threw for 478 yards, right? And he had 200 yeah. yards receiver. And Cutter Bowley, who's coming to Kentucky, gee, he only had 342 yards, right? And Hensley, the kid who right. transferred from Madison Central, right? He's committed to Easter Kentucky, and he had 402 yards rushing and 87 receiving I mean, some of these numbers are just like video games numbers. And the Custard kid, I'm going blank, but his numbers were just, what, he had 300 yeah, he, yards he plus passing? Too. 300 yards yep. passing and 300 yards rushing? I don't think I've ever seen exactly. that. Now, I think it's always been the case when you could do that against, you know, maybe Harrison County and I think they played out Henderson County. When you could run up numbers against, you know, regular teams and doing that – kind of number against Bowling Green with the tradition of that Bowling Green has and the kind of defense Bowling Green generally puts on the field. Right. That's kind of nuts. Now, the LCA proved last year that they could give up, you know, they'd had to hold serve because they their defense wasn't 
very good, and hopefully that improves for them as the year goes on. But, uh, yeah, offensively, uh, it's hard to stop high school offenses that know what they're doing. Well, it was 56-52 LCA over Bowling Green. LCA had 800 yards. Um, I should know this, but I don't. Was there a punt in the game? I'm not sure if there was a punt. <laughs> I think Bowling Green might have been forced upon it once. Unbelievable. Um, but I'm not sure. So if you don't score a touchdown in that game, you consider that almost depressing because <laughs> you're worried right. about the other guys scoring. No? It's, 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 it was nuts. That, was, that game was – there were six lead changes in the fourth quarter, so that game was insane. You know, and I, I think I saw that in your story, and I, and as I recall, I stopped, and I read the paragraph again because I was on my second cup of coffee, so I was fine. But it's one of those things you look at going, one, two, three, four, five, six lead changes in one quarter, and it was the fourth quarter. I mean, if I, maybe I've seen that before, but I don't think I ever have. Have you? Uh, that's unusual. That's just. Except in LCA games. Now, I've seen plenty of lead changes in LCA games. LCA has a knack for keeping themselves in the game and keeping the other team in the game. Okay. And uh, so a lot of their games that I go to are down to the last minute. I mean, going back before I covered them, you know, they lost the Somerset twice on two-point conversions at the end of the game in successive years. So every game I go see LCA in a, a game where teams can play with them, it goes right down to the wire. So I'm going to guess with Cutter Bowley coming to Kentucky, besides him being a great quarterback, and I've never talked to him, but I keep on hearing he's a great young man. Uh, are they selling out everywhere they go? Because partly LCA is so good, and obviously because Cutter Bowley's coming to Kentucky. Uh, LCA can pack the stands regardless of who's who's there. But yeah, it's the people come to see and come to see him play. Uh, the LCA uh, Lexcast game later this year will be. Packed. I expect the Boyle County game this weekend will be packed, but Boyle County doesn't need any extra incentive for that. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be uh, – they play four number one teams in the first five weeks, and then they play Lexcath, who is their hated crosstown rival. Um, so they're, I don't think they sell out high school games, but they're going to be packed. Season just started. What's the best thing you've seen or heard of so far in high school sports in the state, Jared Beck? Well, Brady Hensley – doing what he, he did. I mean, he, he he ran behind an offensive line that was pretty big at Mass Central. And so doing that, you know, the LCA offensive line is, is pretty good. And then what Caden Custer did, you know, versus Henderson County is impressive. But nobody really puts down 402 yards for your debut in your new school. So is, is Henley a guy that could play at Kentucky but is going to Eastern? And I'm not knocking Eastern, but you know what I'm saying. I think his dad played for Eastern, and I think that's the connection he has there. Okay. You know, they offered, he accepted. Um, he's, you know, like 5'10", and solidly built, and certainly can break through defenses and has enough speed to outrun anybody chasing them. So, I mean, he's been a 1,000-yard rusher for each of the last two years, and heck, he's halfway, almost halfway there after one game <laughs> this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, you never know because, you know, lots of times kids can really rack up running, rushing yards, and especially in Class 2A or Class 1A. Sure. You know, they break the line, nobody can catch them. Uh, but, you know, he was he did it in 6A, so he can do it against some pretty big teams. Well, let's put it this way. I'm a fan of Walt Wells. I think he's doing a really good job there, and I think it's great. I haven't seen the kid play live. 
Uh, I think it's great that the kid is going there. That's how Eastern Kentucky is going to get up to the next level when you have kids like that who want to play for you. So I'm happy for Eastern, and I, and I always stand by this. <clears throat> There's a lot of guys who could sit on the bench at Kentucky that could be great players somewhere else. And, and so my thing always been for kids, and some I advise and some you just I didn't get a chance to, go someplace where you honestly think you can play. Because playing, to me, is the main thing. So if he'd be the fourth running back at Kentucky, because say, and I'm not saying maybe he'd be number one, but to me it's better to be the number one running back at Eastern Kentucky if he can earn that. He's got to earn that. Not going to walk in and get it, but if he's got a shot of being number one at Eastern, to me that's a better career than being, let's say, a number four at Kentucky. Does that make sense? Yeah, a kid from Belfry was Mr. Football a couple years ago. He just uh, announced he was transferring from Kentucky, and he was a monster in high school. He could not be stopped in the – State championship game when they beat Paducah Tillman, uh, he was just you know, hand it to him and watch him run. Um, so you know it's a it's a different deal in college, I think. But uh, confidence helps and size helps. Your big matchup this week is that you'll be covering. Give yourself a plug for the game and uh, what you're doing. Well, I'm going definitely going to LCA Boyle County, who has this probably the number two player in the state in Montavon Quisenberry, who's a little scat back kind of guy like. Um, we've seen it at Kentucky before, but he's been recruited by Kentucky. I think he's been recruited by Michigan as well. Uh, he's a cheat code on the field. He can score every way with a kickoff return, punt return, wide receiver, running back, and intercept you on defense and take it to the house. Um, he is an incredible player and has been an incredible player for a few years. So seeing them against LCA uh, with all the talent on the field is going to be like 15, 16 Division I, you know, college offers out there, but not a lot of them being Division One. That's the game of the weekend. And then we got Bryan Station, Franklin County, just ahead of that game at, at Boyle County as far as that bowl event. So the LCA Boyle County game, could that be 56-52 as well? I'm sure that Coach Haddock and Coach Charles don't wish it to be, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it absolutely could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it absolutely could. Hey, look, uh, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed reading you. Uh, we'd like to touch base many times during the season. Tell us what you're doing and get your thought process. Uh, again, people want to follow you. Give it a quick plug. It's at uh, HL Preps on uh, Twitter or X.com and then Kentucky.com. Uh, every morning after the the uh, Friday night games, I'll have roundups in my game story there. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, dude. Thanks, Alan. All right. Jared Peck does a really good job covering high school sports. Um yeah, we got to get uh, Haddix to come on the air, which he will. Um, I mean, we were doing – back then we called it the world-famous prep report when Haddix was a star quarterback. We had him on the air when uh, before the state championship game. I think we had him on once or twice. He's a hell of a coach and was a hell of a football player. And uh, <clears throat> I could see him coaching Jimmy at Boyle County forever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, and the Quisenberry kid, i got to ask him about that because – Jimmy, I've been told by a friend of mine, I'm not saying this kid is the greatest scat back guy who can score from anywhere in the history of state. Uh, I've had a couple people tell me last five or six years he might be as good, if not better, than anybody in the state at what he does. At what he does, which is interesting. And man, you got some quarterbacks like, not just like Quarter Bowley, who's putting up numbers that, Jimmy, it's crazy some of the numbers these kids are putting up. Oh, it's, it's insane. I mean, the fact that you can have Cutter Bowley have the game they had and then the running back still have seven touchdowns. Yeah. It was just, 
<laughs> so basically, between Bowley and Hensley, Brady Hensley, the two of them combined for just a smidgen under 750 yards. And their offense was just over 800. <laughs> so, okay, I'm not going to say I'm a genius defensive coordinator. I'm sure they were isoing on this kid. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's. I'm sure it's a surprise. He got four and two yards. Looks like get goofy here. But you know the game plan had to be to stop Hensley or ISO on him or do something, and they couldn't do it anyway. Unless they paid so much attention to Bowley that there's only so much you can do. Which does happen. I haven't seen Bowley. I'm going to go to an LCA game, um, and I'm without even seeing Hensley. I'm glad he's going to Eastern Kentucky. I think too many kids make the wrong mistake by going to school. Now they're quicker to transfer out, and we all know that and stuff like that. But if this kid can go to EKU and have a great career and help them win maybe a championship, as I think Walt Wells is elevating the program, and the experiences of doing that. Look, they're great football players in Kentucky. Do they have as many as Kentucky has? No. No. I'm just, you know, I mean, that's not breaking news, and that's not insulting anybody. Plus, at times, somebody... Maybe it's not good enough for Kentucky, but by the time they're junior, they'd be more than good enough, depending upon growing and maturation and getting stronger and all that kind of stuff. They got some good football players. Let's put it this way they got a really good quarterback. They got some players there. So we need to get Wells on there. I think I'm going to try to get him on the air next week before the season starts. Pretty cool. 402 yards rushing. I can't fathom that. Can you? No. I'm trying to think of what the high school I went to in Florida, we ran the wing tee. And I'm trying to think, we, I don't even think we even had. Anyone get close to 400. Wait a second. And Hold that's it, running stop. the wing T. You ran the wing T? Uh, yeah. You're 32 years old, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so 15 years ago. There in was 2009. A, there was a school in America <laughs> running the wing T? I think we were the last one. Our head coach won a state championship in 1991, I think, running the wing T, and Did he never he stopped. Did he play college football no. where there was a wing T? Uh, yeah, he was, old, he was older back then. I think he was into his 60s when he was coaching us. And believe me, it was... We were like, the, all, all of our friends who went to other high schools, they were starting to run this. Because that was when the spread was just kind of starting. Right. In 2007, 8, 9. I'm, I'm and, sorry. I'm still hung up that you played on a high school team there on the wing tee. Yeah. Was it tough to stop because nobody, nobody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because nobody saw it. So yeah. everybody saw it on film. But that's nice. But it's not the same thing as being on the field. Yeah, because we had linemen that could move and everything was pulling guards or this or that. Yeah. And everything was, it was basically what teams that run the spread now run with the jet sweep sweeps and the traps and the counters right. but you just did it from the wing team, yeah there's so. just similarities yeah. yeah and no one else ran it so teams didn't know what to do it's kind of like when you play a triple option team right you're like oh god here we go you got to find your keys and do this but yeah if your lineman can't move you're screwed oh yeah but our biggest lineman was you know six one 270 pounds wasn't the way it didn't have anybody big no but even still could he run oh yeah okay. they could move but I'm trying to think. I don't even think we had anyone. And that's running the ball all but maybe five plays a game. Wait a second. You played wide out. How the hell did you get to college? Uh, I was I, I blocked really well. and So you uh, got picked up as a wide out in college because you block well. Well, I was able to my senior year. I had a little bit. And it was a very small 1AA school that I went to. It wasn't like I had offers everywhere. That was pretty much it. Okay. So, so. do you regret, <laughs> suppose you played at a school that had a how mummy offense. Oh man. Would you would you've had 70 catches your senior year? Oh yeah. I would no doubt about it. Okay, so do you think you would have played big time college football? Uh no, I don't think so. I wasn't fast enough. Okay. I had size, but I just I 
was never fast enough. Couldn't get lower. Were than you a this four size six. in high school? No, okay. I was. I was say if you were, you know, I know what I'd do with you. I couldn't put I'd make a, you a tight end. I couldn't put on any weight uh, high school. And no, then forget that theory. The what, year of college that I played. What 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 year? Uh, what what'd you weigh your senior? In I high was six three, probably one ninety. Okay. Then through college, I got to ride at two hundred, but couldn't get a a notch above. Like, and they were trying to put weight on you. Yeah. Yeah. I hate people like you. And then once they I, probably had you eating all day. Uh, yeah, all day. I and, hate people like you. Yeah. Can I have a fifth meal? Yeah. Uh, 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 triple size that cheeseburger. Can I have two cheeseburgers? I'm trying to put in weight. And yeah, yeah. let me have a uh, 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 double order of fries. Were you doing that? Yeah. It didn't matter what I ate. Couldn't put on any weight. And then as soon as I hit about 22, 23 years old, yeah. I put on 20 pounds. Too late. Of muscle. Yeah. Had you. Done that when you were a freshman. Yeah. Would you have had a different career? Probably. Any regrets? Uh, yeah. I'd still, and, I mean, to this day, because I only played college football for a year. Okay. I left the school that I'd got the scholarship to. There was, it was a private school, so it cost a lot of money. But then you get into the first year, you don't play that much. And then you get around a couple other guys that also didn't play much. And they're like, I think... You know, this is dumb. Then you start to talk about, oh, it's the coaches, this and that. Negative and then, vibes. Yeah, and then Never I left, your fault. went to another school, and I went to Troy where I ended up graduating, tried to walk on, didn't make it, but still got to say I played a year of college football. Okay. So. Who was the head coach of Troy when you went there? Uh, ooh, it was... Because Troy's developed a ton of players. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Brown. I forget. Oh, Neil Brown? No. no um, he was an older coach. He'd been there for a long time. Oh, how about this? I forgot. Jared Peck. Uh, just said Scott County. He, I, how I forgot this, I don't know. Thank you, Jared. Scott County still runs the wing tee, by the way. Uh, preseason <laughs> class 5A, number two, and will be number one when the first media poll drops next week. He said, thanks for having me. No, thanks, Jared, for coming on the show. You know, you know, it's really bad. It's not like we didn't show Scott County enough on TV when it was a Channel 18. One year when they won the state championship, you know what we did? It was a little nuts. We had uh, – I don't know how many players they brought in with the trophy and stuff like that on the set. It was when we we did. They say you're gonna do what? And then we should have done it more often because you know it's really cool. They're bringing you know players and stuff, and they got the trophy. It was really cool. Yeah, that's that's been a great football program for a long, long time. Uh, Larry Larry Blakeney was the coach at Troy. Oh he was, yeah, he was there from '91 to 2014. Larry Blakeney was here. Yeah, was here at Kentucky. Unless I've lost my mind in my memory. Mm, unless his wi- it's not on his Wikipedia. He really? Been. Eastern? Mm-mm. He, was at a, he coached at a couple high schools, and then he was an assistant at Auburn, and then went to Troy. I knew he was at Auburn. Okay, my bad. But yeah, that Troy now has a couple connections with Kentucky. Yeah, their head coach is going to be a head coach at a big, 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 big place. Yeah. No question about it. No question about it. All right, coming up, um, we will do this. Uh, we'll talk a little Reds. We'll talk about the U.K. football. Got a long list of stuff. Um, Going to make some strong comments. And you think I'll tick anybody off? Probably. Okay. 1300 AM, <laughs> 92.5 FM. The Alan Cutler Show on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. And on the ESPN Lexington app. Presented by Republic Bank. At Don Franklin, we're more than a group of car dealerships. We're hardworking, everyday people of Kentucky. We strive daily to give 110% to our customers, our employees, and our families. We are committed to providing everyone with a safe and reliable vehicle. And we continue our tradition of supporting our local communities. 
At all 24 dealerships across Kentucky, we will treat you like family. Don Franklin Family of Dealerships, we are Kentucky. It's summertime, and that means it's time to hit the road. Whether you're heading across town or across the state, going on a picnic to a baseball game or driving to the lake, stop by, fill up, and stock up at Clark's Pump and Shop, your road trip headquarters. Clark's Pump and Shop has everything you need to get you to your summertime destination, including planters, nuts, buy two tubes, get one free, and assorted Pringles large cans, two for $5. Clark's Pump and Shop, return, refresh, refuel. When you're a Republic Bank customer, your financial life is always close at hand. The Republic Bank mobile app makes it easy to deposit checks, pay bills, and send money to friends and family from almost anywhere. Plus, you can view your transaction history, transfer funds, and even find the nearest banking center or ATM all from your mobile device. Republic Bank. It's just easier here. Message and data rates may apply from your wireless carrier. Member FDIC. Houchins Insurance Group is proud to partner with Auto Owners Insurance, a company that provides opportunity for independent agents to make insurance simple for their clients, offering risk management services that range from a renter's policy for your college student to home and auto coverage for your entire family. Houchins Insurance Group assures you that nobody works harder to keep you protected from life's uncertainties. Reach out to A.J. Boss or Zach Bennett at 859-263-2771 to see if Auto Owners Insurance makes sense for you. Lexington area weather. Hot temperatures continue for your Wednesday afternoon highs into the low 90s with mostly sunny skies. As you head into your day tomorrow and Friday, that's where we get the brunt of the heat. Heat indices approaching the low 100s both days. Could sneak in a shower or storm as well. I'm ABC 36 Storm Team Meteorologist Dylan Goday. Hear the best SEC talk in America on the Paul Feinbaum Show with me, Paul Feinbaum. Weekdays 3 to 7 on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Back to No Filter Radio with Alan Cutler. Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and Google Monday through Friday. Outstanding player. And Ashcraft goes right at him and strikes him out. And he strikes him out. Struck him out. Strike three. Ten strikeouts. Ashcraft, during this stretch... I say stretch because his ERA was higher than my blood pressure for quite a while. But during the stretch of a number of games, has been one of the better starters. Didn't say best during this stretch in the National League. Struck out 10, gave up three home runs, and still did okay. He's now 7-8, and eight, and the thing is, he ate innings up. Tremendous. He's 7-8. and eight. Reds come back to win 4-3 last night. Um, they were really good. I want to do a quick shout-out to the two coaches. I mentioned the schools. Um... I forgot how much John Summerall was making. I knew he had a new contract. He just led Troy to their best season ever since they've joined F- FBS, okay? He's making $825,000 as a head coach of Troy. That's pretty good. If he has another year like this, I'll be shocked if he's there. He's a great young coach. He was such a great communicator when he played football here at Kentucky. He's got major college coach written all over him, and I hope the heck he doesn't take the first offer if it's at a place he can't win because he's a Troy where you can win, and he's a great human being. Um, and the other thing is Jim McKee, give him a quick shout-out at Scott County. I don't know who the best high school coach is in Kentucky the last 20 years. Jimmy, let me put it up there. If you had you know the, the top five, the top seven in there, he has to be in there. Has to be in there. 
I forgot that they still ring the wing tee. If he's listening right now, I'm sure he's going, Cutler, how could you forget? Oh, he'd be on my case. He's no filter coming back at you, which is fun. But he's done a great, great job there. Okay, I'm jumping subjects. I want to get back to Ashcraft. Um, His maturity, Jimmy. You give up a home run, doesn't fold. Give up a home run, he doesn't fold. One of the things you're going to hear about the sound that was on Bally Sports, let's give him credit, you can feel he's like a big bulldog. He's strong as an ox. Jimmy, his maturity, mentally, he's got all the physical skills. Like Green's got all the physical skills, and I think he's got it mentally, but he's not a very good pitcher. Green has, I'm not saying the best arm in the National League. There aren't 15 guys in the National League. There aren't 15 guys in all of baseball who have the arm that he has. And right now, I still think he's a terrible pitcher. Terrible because of his stuff. And he comes across like a very mature young man. But, you know, he's just considering his stuff. I I'm, I think he's terrible. Is that an awful thing to say? Am I wrong? I think he's he hasn't figured out how to pitch yet. No question. Yeah. And when I say terrible, it's because he has the stuff. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not saying, but Nolan Ryan, when he started, wasn't very good. People forget about that. And I'm not saying he isn't going to get it together. But he gave up, what, nine runs the last start? Now, granted, the first start coming out after being gone a long time. I get that. But he gave up nine runs. Eight were earned. Um, he's not had a good year. He's been hurt too much. I, I think there are some people that throw too hard. And their bodies can't handle it. I've said this forever. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. But, you know, he'll hit the radar gun. It's 103. And people are cheering. I'm going, can you throw 98 instead? Yeah, and, and control it a little bit more and maybe put it where you want and don't put the strain on your body. I don't get these guns with the miles per hour that the bodies break down. You know what Greg Maddox, who never had a good fastball, used to do <laughs> when it was two strikes on a guy? Throw it easier. He would throw it easier because he wanted pinpoint control, which he had. He did the opposite of everything pitchers would do. <laughs> He couldn't throw 92 miles an hour. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And he could get guys out on an 84-mile-an-hour fastball because he could put it right at the knees. I, I mean, I, I, how many times I saw him at He would freeze guys, just freeze them with an 84, 85-mile. And it was just like you're looking at him going, oh, my gosh, he's a wizard. This is amazing. What would he have done if he had Green's arm? He wouldn't have been as good of a pitcher. He had to be a real – so smart mixing it around. Green doesn't know how to pitch, yet I think the Reds have a, have a wonderful pitching coach. And I hope he gets it together. But, he, Jimmy, he's been hurt so much, right? Yeah. Okay, so the wear and tear in his body is crazy. And he's a big, strong man. Big. So why not throw 96-97? Makes you wonder. I don't know if this is the case, but because he's always had such a strong – and I'm assuming going back to, like, high school, he's had the flamethrower on. Oh, yeah. So does Wasn't that – Wasn't he on the cover of Sports Illustrated? I think when he got yeah. drafted or right before. Yeah, and he was throwing high 90s then. Yeah. Now he's really filled out, but it's not like he was a skinny kid. Yeah, but because he's had that strong arm, you rely on your strong arm as opposed to being a tactician. Well, let's put it this way. If you're saying, which I think you are, he never had to learn how to pitch, you're right. Yeah. Now he does. It's gotten you that far. You right. almost see the same thing with some quarterbacks, where you just have this laser rocket arm, but you don't know how to be a quarterback. There's a reason why you know not every pitcher in the major leagues is throwing 104 miles an hour, because it's, it's more than that. Just because you can throw hard, cool. Guys can catch up to 103. They'll they figure it out real it's fast. It's crazy that they can. So you're Abbott. You're sitting in the bullpen. Abbott's say Outside the little slump, he's had a great rookie season. How many times do you think he said, man, if I could just throw half as hard as Green can? Yeah. And, and yet he's a much better pitcher. Yeah. 
And, and so Green, I see interviews with him. He comes across as a smart kid. And guys talking to bullpens all the time. I, 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 I'm baffled how he hasn't learned to be a better pitcher. That that's just me, and I'm baffled how maybe they've had conversations. Say, okay, throw 98, don't throw 103. Save your arms, save your ribs. You know, you're a big, strong man, but obviously, it ain't working with his body. Does it seem like he's been injured half the damn time? It does. It does. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it's nuts. Okay, I, I want to play this Ashcraft sound because if you listen to his words, Jimmy, I think it's pretty obvious. Having the physical skills is great, duh. But this is a young pitcher. Jimmy, I like what's between his ears and his attitude on how he does things. Baseball can be a weird game. You give up three home runs, and that sounds like a bad night, but this was a good night, was it not? Yeah, uh, had my first 10-strikeout game, so it was pretty exciting. But, I mean, the home runs, two of them were sliders that were just home, just not good pitches, and the other one was just a fastball. The jury just got out and was sitting on it and just put a good swing on it. So, I mean, three mistakes. I mean, can't really do anything about it. What was working so well to get the career high strikeouts? I mean, I just felt like the we didn't throw the slider as much as we normally have been, and just at times when we were throwing it, we were just executing it and getting it down in the zone. I mean, it was keeping the being able to throw the sinker in on the righties, cutters on both sides of the plate. I mean, it was, everything was just working really well tonight. Did you feel the moment there when you uh, got Trout and Otani back to back? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, those guys are just such great hitters. I mean, the only thing you can do is just go out and just try to attack them. And so I was just, those at-bats, I was just going to try to get my best stuff and just try to make them buried into the ground and just so happen to miss their bat. So... How much was the win in your sales for that three-run fifth that gave you to get back out of the lead and, and just kind of finish, you know, finish your start? Oh, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it means a lot. I mean, do you have the guys get behind me and put those runs up on the board to, like, kind of give me a little push to be like, hey, let's go. Like, you got this. So, I mean, it, it definitely put some pep under my step and allowed me to kind of narrow the zone back in and start pulling it up again. Part of the 10-game road trip here, getting to September soon and not life or death yet, but how pivotal are these games now at this point in the season? I mean, they're 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 big. I mean, each one we can get is great. I mean, if we can just have guys go out there and just play the game the right way and to have good at-bats, pitch, fill the zone up, I mean, it's all we can ask for this time of the year. All your rookies that you have on this team, how much do you Steer and McLean maybe are maybe are a little more under the radar, but they keep producing you know, for you guys. Yeah, I mean, we're we're a really young team, but there's a lot of really good talent on this team, and there's, I mean, y'all have seen it. I mean, there's just been some times where we're just hitting stuff right at guys, and I mean, we're we're starting. You can start to see guys starting to take some better swings, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. So, I mean, it's just it's a matter of time until these guys start doing like stuff like they did tonight. There is the adage, solo homers don't beat you, not even three of them. When you give up home runs, I mean, how do you handle giving up home runs? I mean, to me, it's like, yeah, they, they're frustrating, but when you can go and execute your pitches and know, like, all right, like I made a good pitch and he just happened to put a good swing on it, or if you can fill it out of the hand and know you made a bad pitch and they execute on it, then it's just part of it. I mean, it's just one of those things that I just try to brush it off my shoulder and just not worry about it, go to the next batter. So you're not bothered at all? No, no, I mean, it 
of course, you have about one pitch where it's frustrating after for me, but after that, I just tend to push it away. When you look at the 10 strikeouts, that's your bigger takeaway than giving up the three homers? Yeah, I mean, it's two of them, like I said, two of them were pitches that were hung that just weren't really good executed pitches at all. The other one, Brandon, just put a good swing on it. See, I like that. Okay. Who's a fastball? Brandon Dury is a good fastball hitter. Okay. He sat on and hit it. Then he said, I made two mistakes. Got to have a short memory. This guy seems to have it. I mean, whew. I'm not saying the guy's going to win the Cy Young Award. Can I see him winning 15 games next year? Would it shock me? No. No. No, not at all. Plus, he's the bullpen's best friend. My gosh. My gosh. Helps out tremendously. And the fact they were down 3-1 and came back, uh, that's just terrific. Um, McLean, I, I, I love this little guy. I mean, his heart, his spirit, he goes 100 miles an hour. And the fact that he did this, remember, he played at UCLA. He grew up watching the Angels. He did this against the Angels. Top five showing by any rookie in Reds history. Drills this ball to deep right center. Trout going back, and that's going to go. The first at bat of his homecoming, Matt McClain goes deep, and the Reds claim the lead one zip. He's one of the better offensive shortstop second baseman this year, forget the fact that he's a rookie. Jimmy, over 600 bats, roughly, he would have scored 100 runs. Pretty good, right? Yeah. He'd have 24 home runs and about 80 RBIs for a rookie. If he got 600 bats, he was called up late. It's a hell of a freshman year. <laughs> yeah. It's just really incredible. Um, he's listed at 5'8 and 180, and, and he's probably got body fat of zero. <laughs> he's got strong arms. Yeah. He's got a compact swing. It's really, really, really good. I mean, this guy plays hard. But I'm going to tell you something about Ellie that if you don't know this, you're going to go, wow, I promise you. But first. Dave LaCruz, a decent lead. He goes on the first pitch. He misses away. Throw down. Steal. And Ellie De La Cruz. 20 steals, 10 homers. All right, now I got to be true confessions. If you knew this, God bless you, I didn't, okay? So when I saw this, I went more than double wow. If you knew this without seeing it, Jimmy, I will bow to you. Now, am I suggesting his career is going to be similar to Shohei Otani? No, 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 no. But isn't this fun to compare? Yeah. It's fun. That's all this is. Take a look at the first 63 Major League games. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Otani wins. He was batting 262 at that point in time. De La Cruz, 257. It's close. Yeah. It, it's eggs and apples. Runs. You're going to guess it's Ellie, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Not even close. Really? 66 runs. He has scored in 66 games. Okay. We're talking that's a pace over 170 runs for a season. I don't know. Was it Hack Wilson who scored the most runs ever? Look it up. Or is it Ricky Henderson? Hack Wilson had the most RBIs. You ever see a picture of Hack Wilson? No. He was like no-neck Williams. <laughs> really short guy with a big belly. Uh, I was Billy Hamilton in 1894, not the more current Billy Hamilton. Most runs? 198. I don't count before 2000. Do you got the guy after 2000? I mean, in the 1900s. That's terrible. I give him credit, but 
Uh, let's see. Babe Ruth, 177. Lou Gehrig, 167. Tip O'Neill. Uh, Lou Gehrig. Babe Ruth again. Uh, those are the 170s. Okay, 170. So we're talking about some of the greatest numbers on pace, if you could do this for you in the history of baseball. Amazing. Now, home runs. Home runs. Shohei Otani and Ellie Dela Cruz. Who do you think has more? I'd say Shohei. I think the whole world would say Shohei. Yeah. Alan Cutler would have said Shohei. Have to be. No. What? Ellie Dela Cruz, after 63 games, that's the part that got me. The runs I figured he, uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I made a mistake. Excuse me, excuse me. He has 66 hits. Ah. 66 hits to Shohei's 45. I apologize. I read the sheet wrong. Okay, my bad. Now, the extra base hits, Ellie has more 26 to 23. Home runs, Ellie has 10. Shohei has 9. Mm. That's the one that got to me. The batting averages didn't surprise me. Yeah. The hits kind of surprised me. So I take that back about the runs. And, and I'll look it up real quick. There was a point in time where Dela Cruz was on pace for, and this was early on, for over 160 runs scored. There was a point in time. Yeah, now it's not the same. He's played more games. Um, it'd be over 110 over a full season. Still really impressive. Okay? Not... 170. So, excuse me. I'm sorry. I read the sheet wrong. Didn't have my glasses on. You know, sometimes I see better with my glasses, sometimes without. <laughs> That's my excuse. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I want to thank Dennis Johnson for coming on. That was, uh, didn't you think that was great stuff about his dad? That's awesome. And I how, hope the Memorial Tournament happens. Uh, me too. And it'll be great. And how his dad taught him how to be a coach. The late, great Alvis Johnson, who said, Son, you don't know how to coach. We're going to rip this film apart. I'm going to teach you how to be a coach. One of the great men I've ever met. Period. 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 God bless you. The Johnson family. Jared Peck is always good. Uh, like his insight. George Massey. Big smile. Just came back from Switzerland. That's not where we're having him on. <clears throat> I see George all the time at the YMCA. One of the good guys that have come through Kentucky. He will be tomorrow. Uh, Aaron Gershon for sure on Friday. And working on a couple other things. So... Two things. Remember, Kyle Tucker put out a tweet about how accurate Leary was on a 7-on-7. Seven seven. Dazzled was the word he used in his tweet. And uh, Leon Cohn with a tweet talking about how good the backup quarterbacks and uh, Kaya Sharon is doing a good job and he's improved tremendously because everybody has this thing, what the hell about the backups because we haven't seen him much? Well, one, Cohn's a better offensive coordinator. And two, guess what? They're here for another year, so you expect them to be better. But it's the fear of the unknown if something happens. Delirious. I mean, that, that's just an obvious thing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Brad Taylor coming up next. The bottom line. Then, Reds, Angels, doubleheader, game one, pregame show is at 340. Matthew and Jimmy at 10. Podcast will be up in just a couple of minutes. I'm Alan Cutler. Thanks for listening. 1300 AM, 92.5 FM. Listen to the Alan Cutler.